You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. God is a faithful, promise-keeping God. Know more about this truth in week one of Big Deal. Listen to this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Okay, today we are starting a brand new series on blessings entitled Big Deal. How many of you love the blessings of God? Please raise your hand. How many of you know that this is a timely word after suffering comes the blessing? <laughs> we talked about Job and we talked about the suffering of, uh, you know, of Job for the past three weeks. And today we're shifting gears. We're going to be talking about the blessings of God. And we've entitled this Big Deal. Uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at how God uh, will use His blessings, particularly in the area of finances. And what's the purpose for that? And hopefully we can also see that when you talk about the blessing of God, it's not just limited to finances. And so today we're going to focus on the promise. Everybody say promise. Next week we're going to talk about the power, power to make wealth. Uh, the third week we're going to talk about placement. And the last week we're going to be talking about posterity, not just prosperity, but posterity, the next generation after us. So when you talk about this word blessing, how many of you know what this means. You know, I, I believe that sometimes we get confused about this word. You know, this is such a big word, blessed or blessing. You know, this may mean different to uh, different people. You know, it is in the heart of God to bless His people. In fact, blessing is central in His covenant with us. You know, when you talk about this word blessing, it's really about <clears throat> a favored status from the Lord. Nothing that you work for. It's a status. It's a, a status of favor. How many of you are a child of God? Can you please raise your hand? You are born again. You're blood-bought. You're believing in Jesus. Okay? That in itself is a status. You are a child of God, and with that comes the blessings of God. How many of you are glad? Okay? And you have that blessing already. Another th- way to uh, look at the blessing is it is an endowed power to make wealth. And so we're going to talk about that next week. But when you talk about blessings, you know, in fact, when you talk about this word blessed, it has become a popular hashtag. Uh, you know, if you look at Twitter or maybe Instagram, people will tweet, uh, you know, whatever, okay? And then they would use the hashtag blessed. And how do we use the, the hashtag blessed? For example, uh, I, we found some uh, things in the internet. Like, for example, Queen B says, my eyelashes look as good when I use $8 mascara as they do when I use $30 mascara. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> That's her definition of blessing. Okay, that she can actually still look good with a cheaper mascara. Or what about this guy, El Jefe or El Jefe? She has sneezed in public today. Blessed, you know. <laughs> or another guy, Davon Magwood, said, Caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground. Blessed. Talagang blessing yun, di ba? Because it was not wasted. And another guy, Timothy Kyle Yu. No class Mondays and only PE Wednesdays. Hashtag blessing. <laughs> and so we can see that there are different applications of this word. You know, for some... You know, workers, if you're a, an employee, if you receive a bonus that's early, you know, before December, how many of you know that is a blessing? Okay, or maybe if you are a single person and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and suddenly somebody, you know, wants to spend time with you, bring you out for dinner, 
That's a blessing. You know, for kids, you know, it's, uh, for kids, if, for, for example, if you're a student and you know that this coming week is exam week and suddenly on that particular day, the teacher is absent. <laughs> blessing. And so is this really the right application of the word blessed? Or is there something more when you talk about the blessings of God? I believe that when God called Abraham to be the father of many nations, and he released a blessing to Abraham, and he said to him, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to many. What does that mean? And how many of you would love to be really, really blessed by God? Please raise your hand. And how many of you would love to be a blessing to others? Please raise your hand. What does that mean? Then I believe that when we pray for the blessings of God, we don't just pray for ourselves. You know, do yourselves a favor. Pray for more than enough. Pray for more than what you need. Don't just pray for, if you're needing 10000 for tuition, don't just pray for 10000 Pray for 20000 Maybe somebody's in need of that. You know, our uh, executive director for Real Life, uh, is sharing this story. One of our scholars in, real, in the Real Life program uh, finally got an, uh, a scholarship grant in one of the IT schools in Fort Bonifacio. And since it's an IT school, he's in need of a computer, a laptop computer. So what he said was, as he was praying to the Lord, he said, Lord, don't just give me one laptop computer. Give me two laptop computers. Now, you've got to imagine that this particular person who's been granted the scholarship was coming from a very poor background. In fact, from the squatter area. He's never owned any gadget before. And if you try to break down the prayer of this guy and he's got the audacity to ask the Lord, Lord, don't just give me one laptop, give me two laptop computers. And true enough, a month later, Somebody donated not one laptop computer, but two laptop computers to him. And he gave the other laptop away to one of his real-life scholar classmates. How neat is that? That is what you call real blessing. And so our, you know, our executive director, who's uh, still single, said to the Lord, Lord, give me two husbands so that I can actually keep one. And give the other away, okay? So anyway, I'm not really sure if you can actually do that as a proper application of the blessings of God. Now, I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me tonight as we go and read from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 6 to 9. Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 9. We're going to be going through the book of Deuteronomy in the next four weeks. Not the entire book, but parts of it. So verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen. Everybody say chosen. Chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore 
that the Lord your God is who? God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, time as we study your word. We, we ask, Lord, that you would give us a proper understanding of what it means to be blessed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us as a church. And I thank you, Lord God, that you would lift burdens today, Lord God. I thank you that we will have, first of all, a realization that if we are in Christ, we are indeed blessed. No matter what our situation is, no matter what our health situation is, no matter what our business or our family situation is, the fact remains that we are blessed. It is a favored status coming from you. Bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Right. Now, if you check out, you know, a study Bible, and if you would read some introductions, or you'd probably look at some commentaries, the book of Deuteronomy literally means, in the Greek, second law. And it is not because God was giving the Israelites a second set of commandments. In fact, they only had one set of commandments given in Mount Sinai, which was the Ten Commandments. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Okay. And so, this particular book was a series of sermons that Moses prepared for the people as they were about to enter the Promised Land. In fact, if you would look at the map where they came from, they came out of Egypt. And in Egypt, they had a hard time. About 400 years there, they were under slavery with Pharaoh. And finally, they were crying out to the Lord. and They said, Lord, deliver us. God sent a deliverer named Moses. Moses took them out from Egypt. Of course, you know the story uh, if you watch Prince of Egypt. So you, there's ten plagues, or if you read your Bibles, there's ten plagues, <clears throat> the last plague being the death of the firstborn. And so finally, Pharaoh sent them out of Egypt. And the whole purpose of them going out is to worship in Mount Sinai. And so they're found in the Mount Sinai, and there was God in Mount Sinai giving the Ten Commandments to them. We all know that the Israelites were not always faithful to the Lord. How many of you are always faithful to the Lord? Look at the person beside you, Iko Bayon, okay? You know, the Israelites were not always faithful, but how many of you know that God has always remained faithful to His children? And somehow we see that truth not only in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament. That though sometimes we remain faithless, or we are faithless, God is still there faithful to His promise and His covenant with us. Now from Mount Sinai, what happened was they went to Kadesh Barnea, wherein they spent about, you know, just a short time, 40 years, in the wilderness, because of disobedience, because of doubt and unbelief. Because they continued to question the leadership of Moses and question God, God had to allow them to go around the wilderness for 40 years. Now, how many of you are willing to wait for your promise for 40 years? I don't think so. Now, we want our promises now. But the question is, can we pass the test? That's why we talked about suffering last time. That is part and parcel 
of God elevating us to give us new blessings coming from Him. Because how many of you know that sometimes blessings can be testings from the Lord as well? That if you're blessed, it can be a test. It can be a test of your heart whether you're going to be remaining loyal before the Lord or if that blessing will actually turn your heart away from God. Because that blessing, if you're not careful, that blessing can be an idol. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. Because he knew for a fact that the heart of man is always inclined to worship something. If it's not the real God, our tendency is to worship idols. Are we here this afternoon? And if you're not careful in focusing your heart to the real God, the tendency is it will be led astray by worshiping other idols. And so if you actually, if you're taking down notes, if you will take note, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 2, you will find out that it will only take 11 days for the Israelites to get from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, what was supposed to be 11 days, turned out to be 40 years. What a waste of time, right? But yet they did not stop there. Ultimately, they found themselves into the mouth of the promised land. Here they were at Mount Nebo, and you know Moses was giving out this commandment. And now this Deuteronomy is really a reminder for the old generation, which is only about two of them, Joshua and Caleb, because that entire generation was wiped out in the plague during the wilderness, and a new generation was born in the desert. So who was with Joshua and Caleb? These were young people who have no idea of what happened in Sinai. And so Moses took the time in Deuteronomy chapter 5 to review the Ten Commandments. Are you still following me? Or are you lost already with history? Okay, so track with me. Okay, track with me. This is really important. Okay, track with me for a while. And I want to lay a proper foundation before we get to the application because we're going to talk about Deuteronomy in the next four weeks. The reason why Deuteronomy is so important is because this is the most quoted Old Testament book by Jesus himself. There's no other OT book that Jesus quoted the most aside from the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, when he was tempted in the wilderness, remember the three temptations of Jesus? He quoted straight from the book of Deuteronomy. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember that? That comes straight from the book of Deuteronomy, and so on and so forth. When somebody asks the Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and soul. That came from Deuteronomy 6. So we see that this book is really important okay, in showing us that, yes, it is partly law, but it's squeezed in with the grace of God. The first four chapters of Deuteronomy talks about the, you know, how God delivered the people in the past. And the last four chapters, chapter 30 to 34, really talks about what God has planned for the people of God for their future as they enter the promised land. God loved His people so much that He did not want this you know, wilderness experience to happen again. That's why He was reminding them, you are about to enter a land flowing with milk and honey. And He's asking His people, are you ready? And hopefully they said, I think they said yes. And so, why are we blessed? Basically, we're going to look at 
you know, how God blesses His people. And it's very simple. You know, we're going to take it out from the text that we have read. Number one is we are His treasured possession. That's the first point. Why are you and I blessed? Because you are a treasure of God. Look at the person beside you and just observe if indeed he or she is like a treasure, not a trash. We are all precious before the Lord. You know, whatever outside appearance you have or whatever you, you know, background you've been, you came from, the fact remains that we are a treasured possession of God. In verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy. Remember when we, talk, uh, when we talked about holy? What does holy mean? Set apart. Nakalimutan nyo na. Nakatapusan natin ng series na, di ba? Holy means set apart. For you are a people set apart to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has what? Chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. Now, when you talk about a treasure, it is no ordinary treasure. God went out of His way to choose us. Ordinary people. He chose us not because of your qualification. He chose you not because you're pretty or you're handsome. He chose you not because of your you know, educational background or your social status. He simply chose you. In fact, He chose us. And He was talking about this. Though you were the most insignificant people, He chose us. It's not about us. It's all about His grace. Amen. In fact, we're not even qualified for the covenant. But He simply has chosen us. You know, how many of you have a lot of choices that you have to make every day? We all have choices. After this service, I'm sure you're going to go out for dinner. And the choice for a restaurant is just, you know, unlimited. From this mall to another mall, whether you go to here or ATC or maybe there in the river, uh, what do you call that? Riverside or river bank or river, river, by the river, home along the river or whatever, okay? Just the river, okay? There's a lot of new restaurants out there. And when you enter a restaurant, there's a lot of choices. You know, try to imagine in my family, every time you go out for dinner, it's a fight. Who's going to win for the choice of the evening? And so my two daughters are the ones slugging it out. No, I want to eat tempura. No, I want to eat burger. No, I want to eat this. It's a choice. You know, when, do you remember when you were in high school? And when you were out for a prom? And you had to choose a date? Remember that? You don't remember that? That's how long it was? So you're praying for a date, you're choosing a date, and so you consider this girl, or maybe you consider this guy, and so you're, ask, you're hoping that this guy will ask you out. So that's what it means to be carefully chosen. You know, I have a friend who's been praying to have children for the longest time, and what they did was they decided to adopt a child. And so this couple, you know, who's... Uh, good friends of ours, for many years they've been asking the Lord, Lord, give us a child. It never happened. They tried different means of having children in vitro fertilization, okay? And it didn't happen. So finally, as they were seeking the Lord, 
the Lord just gave them wisdom, maybe it's wise for you to adopt. And, you know, when they went for adoption, they went to an orphanage, and among the 60-plus children in that orphanage, they chose this particular girl to become their own daughter. Can you imagine what, you know, what prized possession, or not possession, what prized, you know, uh, a gift that daughter will be to them, and what she feels that out of all the 60, she was the one chosen by her adoptive parents. Can you imagine that? That's how it feels when God chooses us. You know, when I was born, my parents had no choice. It doesn't matter if they were praying for a girl. Here I am. Hello. When I was born in January 3, 19-something, okay? I was a baby, and you know, they saw me, and I, they had no choice. You know, if they were expecting something else, it's me. That's it. But if you're adopting something, or something, somebody, you have a choice. You can prayerfully consider if this person will become part of your family. And that's what it means when God chose us. God chose you and me to pour out His blessings into. What a privilege. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. It's such an honor and a privilege to be chosen by God. Another thing is, we are a treasured possession. You know what a treasured possession is? It's something of great value. You know, God took it upon Himself to have ownership and, you know, responsibility so that He can provide and He can protect His treasured possession. There's a story of one foreigner who rented a property in one of the villages here in the south. And this renter, since he did not own the place, did not care what he would do with the place. He basically trashed the place and turned the place into a whorehouse. I mean, it's a sad... Actually, the owner was angry, but, you know, it shows you that if you are not the owner, you will not take care of the things that was entrusted to you. But the Bible says that we are treasured possession of God. How many of you know that if we are, you know, if we are, you know, treasured, if we are something of value and something of significance, God will take care of you and me? How many of you know that? That God will not just allow us to be trashed by anybody, God will take care of us. God will provide for us. And that's how it is. In fact, if you look closely at the Hebrew word treasured possession, it is not closely associated to a house that, you know, a house that you own, you know, when you have to go out for a vacation, you lock the house, you leave the house, and then you just pray that no thieves nor crooks would enter that home. That is a possession. But what this Hebrew word really means is that it's more of something that's close to the owner, something that is of value that the owner would always want to take alongside him, kind of like a jewelry. Kind of like a, uh, what, a 20K, car- 20K diamond, if there's such a thing, okay, how big that stone is, okay? Or maybe an, an expensive stone or maybe an expensive jewelry, something that you always take with you. That is what you call treasured possession. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are precious. <laughs> 
with feelings. Come on, with feelings. You are precious. Hindi ko kayo ma-feel eh. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. We're owned by God. That you may claim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That in itself, when you look at the blessing of God, you know, you don't have to look at the blessing. You have the blesser himself. And he considers us his treasure. If you own something, you're going to take care of that thing that you own. You know, if you have a new gadget, you will not allow any scratches on that thing. If you have, you know, if somebody blesses you with a car, for example, the company grants you a car. You will make sure that you will park that car in a place wherein there's no way that somebody will scratch or dent this car. This is my car. Right? You're going to take care of that. You're going to clean it. You're going to tell people who would ride it, no eating in the car. No trash in the car. Because that's your possession. We are more than a car. We're worth more than any material thing that you can find on this earth. Second thing, why are we blessed? It was so simple. God loves us. He loves you and me. In fact, in verse 7, it says, It was not because you were more in number than any people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you. Just simply that. The Lord loves us. And He's keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You know, this is really interesting because we're receiving something that we don't deserve. This is coming from a father, a father's heart that loves his children. You know, it's, uh, I believe the best analogy for this is as a parent. How many of you are parents in this place? Can you please raise your hand. And you have children. How many of you love your children? I mean, we love our children no matter what, right? We do anything for our children. I mean, sometimes our children would wreck our place <laughs> or would be disobedient or would do, you know, naughty things or dumb things. But despite the fact that they do those things, how many of you know that you will still love them nonetheless? That you will still provide for them? That there will still be days that, you know, they will fail, they will disobey, but at the end of the day, they will still eat on your table. Why is that? Because there are children. And you simply love them. It's unexplainable. The affinity of a father. You know, when you have a sick child... Close to death. How many of you would pray this prayer, Lord? Sana wag na siya ako na lang. I hope that it's not my child. Let it be me, not him. How many of you pray, yes, he deserves it, let him go? I don't, I, there's nobody that prays that way, right? 
but you know, it's us because being affectionate as a parent, we always provide for our children. We love them. It's, even if there's nothing that we can give, we still want to give. That's the nature of the love of a father. It's not because of their accomplishment in school. In fact, you may have different children. One is a top-notcher, one is average student, and one is just cute, okay? <laughs> and even if not all of them are achievers, how many of you know that you will feed them every time, particularly the cute one? Sometimes you even give more to the cute one than the top-notcher one. Because of your heart to provide. It's not because of what we do that God provides for us. It's not because you're behaved in church. It's not because you're early that you came here and you found yourself a nice spot in the place. Or it's not because you're giving your offering. It's not because you're a member of a small group or maybe you're part of the ministry. None of that matters. But that is our expression of our love for Him. But it's not... What qualifies us to be blessed? What qualifies you to be blessed is simply be you. That's it. Be you. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, be you. And I praise God that I am not you. There's no qualification. If God can bless even the unrighteous and the wicked, and we see, you know, you don't have to go far. Just go look at your neighbors. Go look at your office mates. Why are these people being blessed? It's the general blessing of God. That's the benevolent heart of our Creator. But yet God in His heart, He wants to bless us specifically, His children, with His plans and His purpose so that we can actually succeed in life. I believe God wants you and me to be successful in whatever it is that God wants us to be called for. Amen. And that's the nature of God. Not because of what we have done. We cannot boast about it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, it says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. We can't boast. We can't say, yes, we prayed a while ago about, you know, we can now approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we have help in our time of need. Yes, it's all about the grace of God. It doesn't talk about our accomplishment. It talks about the grace of God. The reason why you can approach the throne of grace is simply because it is, by its nature, grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited favor from the Lord. Nothing that we have worked for can qualify us to come in the presence of God. Amen? And number three, it's because He is faithful to His covenant with us. And this word covenant is huge. You know, it will take a whole series to talk about the covenant of God. But it is simply a promise that God gives us. How many of you know that when God gives a promise, He is faithful to fulfill that promise? He is not a man that He would lie. He is somebody that is reliable. He is somebody that is true to His word. There is no word that will come out of the mouth of God will not be fulfilled, it, every word that comes out will actually be fulfilled because God was the one who said it. In verse 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant 
and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. He is a faithful God. In fact, as I said earlier, sometimes even if we are faithless, He is going to still be there. We've seen that in the life or the journey of the Israelites. And, you know, the, the story of the Israelites is meant to give us an example. You know, sometimes their stiff-neckedness, their hard-headedness, you know, their rebellion, you know, is an example for us not to follow. And yet we've seen that in their life. But despite that, they are still a chosen race. They're still chosen by God. And God would allow from time to time to discipline them, and yet He would still hug them and, you know, show His affection and love and then bless them again. That's how God is. It's, uh, you know, we sing this song, Radical Love. That's a description of the love of God for every one of us. It's so radical, you cannot understand that. It's incomprehensible. Faithful to His Word. He's always true. He repays their faith, those who hate Him. That's why our response ought to be that of loving Him back by obeying His Word. He will not be slack with those who hate Him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes that the, and the rules that I command you to do today. In fact, I believe that the reason why we obey God is not to earn his favor. We've already earned his favor. Amen. But the reason why we obey God is because it's for our own good. It's for our own protection. It's for our own prosperity. It's for our own blessing. You know, it, you know my, my children, whenever, whenever I would discipline them, and you know, I, I was sharing in our service this morning that Anna's now nine, Andrea just turned eight about a couple of weeks ago. And now as I look at them, they're growing really fast. The frequency of us disciplining them in the area of rod is now lesser than two, three years ago. You know, it was, there was a point in, uh, in, in, in our parenting career that we had to discipline them sometimes three times a day, sometimes four times a day. It can be tiring. But yet now we can actually see the fruit of how we've disciplined them. And now that we've disciplined them, we expect them to obey us. And the expectation of them obeying what we say is not so that they can get you know, tuition money for your next school year, if you don't obey, you don't go to school. We don't say that. They will still go to school, but it's for their protection. You know, when um, earlier this uh, school year, we've enrolled them in a regular school because last year we were like doing a hybrid kind of thing, hybrid homeschool. And so they were always with us. And so... You know, during summer, my, well, I think it was Anna, said, you know, Dad, when, when we get to the regular school, can you give me your cell phone? I said, why do you need a cell phone? So that I can text you. And yeah, I see the benefit of giving them a cell phone because it's for easy coordination. Now, I realize that during our time, when we were in grade 3 or grade 4, we don't have cell phones. 
But now I realize that it's more of a necessity to give them. And so, as I was, you know, as I was studying the options, I said, okay. And they said, promise you'll give us a cell phone? I said, okay, you'll have your cell phone when you go to school. So we have a spare cell phone that was an old iPhone because you know how it is, right? When you are enrolled in a program, they give you in a retention plan, they will give you uh, every so often new phones so that you can actually dispose of the old ones. And so we have an extra phone. Finally, I gave to my daughter. And the promise that I gave to her when they started this school year was fulfilled. Daddy gave Anna and Andrea the cell phone. Promise given, promise fulfilled. But as I gave them the cell phone, the law had to be established. I gave them the Ten Commandments of using a cell phone. It's kind of like Deuteronomy on Mount Nebo all over again. Okay? I said, no texting anyone that you do not know. Secondly, don't download any app that I do not know. Thirdly, don't download from iTunes using my credit card that I do not know. And so on and so forth. So we've set parameters how they use a cell phone. No putting of passwords in the cell phone. I can check your cell phone anytime. I can open it anytime. And so on and so forth. I gave the promise, but I gave the law. Because it is for their good. It is for their guidance. And the whole point of me giving them a cell phone is not so that they will use that cell phone as an idol. Oh, I have a cell phone. I worship you, Apple. You know, It's not for that. The purpose of the cell phone is ultimately for communication with Daddy. So that anytime, if you need me, just call my name and I'll be there. I'll be there. Something like that, okay? So, you know, that's the whole purpose of the cell phone that I gave to them. And that is like a a crude illustration of the blessing of the Lord giving to us. When God gives us a promise, when God gives us a blessing, yes, He is faithful with the promise. But as He gives the promise, there are rules. No texting strangers. Don't download any illegal apps. Something like that. And God gives parameter in our life so that we can live prosperous, blessed, righteous life that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. Amen? That's how it is. Come on, give the Lord praise. We haven't even scratched the surface of the other blessings. This is just the blessing of being with God. And in verse 12, it says, and, everybody say, and. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your forefathers. Let's move on. Verse 13, he will love you. He will bless you and multiply. How many of you would like that? Love, bless, multiply. Twitter okay, or Instagram. Okay? Or he will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your wine and your oil and increase your herds and the young of your flock in the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. And sometimes as you look at this 
Old Testament scripture, you don't, can't relate. We're not farmers. We don't have vineyards. We don't have livestock. You know, what we do have is, you know, a job. And so maybe if you're going to translate this, I will bless your family. I will bless your work. I will bless your business. I will bless your bank account. I will bless your investment. I will bless your food. When you go to the grocery, they're always going to be fresh. I will bless your canola oil. I will bless your herds. I will bless your dog. I will bless your pet cat. I will bless your rabbit. I will bless everybody in your household. I will bless even your maids, even the young of your flock, and even your house, it will not have rodents in it. Okay? Well, that's pushing it. But it will, you know, uh, and that he swore to your fathers as he gives to us. The blessing that God gives first is really a relationship with us. And the other blessing comes with it. Family, posterity, business. In fact, not only that, health. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or a female barren among you or among your livestock, and the Lord your God will take away from, all, from you all sickness. Everybody say all sickness. And none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew He will inflict on you, but He will lay them on all who hate you. How many of you have enemies? Parang ganun yun. If they hate you or curse you, um. Back to you, back to you. <laughs> it will not come near us because God will bless us. And I hope that you get this whole perspective and picture. Yes, the reality of suffering is there. We talked about it. It will still be there. But the default mode, it was a default. default. You know what default means? You know, when you open a computer, there's an operating system that's the default mode. It goes back to the blessings of God. If everything is normal, if everything remains the same, guess what our status is? We are a blessed people, a treasured possession of God. You are chosen. You are loved because God is faithful to His covenant with His people, not only in this generation, but a thousand generations, your children, your children's children, your great-grandchildren, until you go to the, you know, the next life and a thousand generations after that. That's the blessings of God. Amen. Unstoppable, radical love. Amen. Praise God. Can we just give the Lord praise? My main point really is very simple. The greatest blessing that we can ever get is our relationship with God. And all these things that we're asking God for, a new promotion, a new car, a new house, there's nothing wrong in praying for those. In fact, as I said earlier, pray for twice. But that's not the point. God wants to bless us. But the real blessing is really having Him as our Father. The real blessing is really having Him as our Creator, as the one, as the one who saves us, the one who takes care of us. You know, He's always faithful to His covenant. The question is, are we always faithful? on our part, in the covenant that He cut with us. You know, covenant has two parts. There's two parties in the covenant. It's kind of like a, a contract. If you cut a contract and about to sign it, you have a responsibility to deliver, 
and the other party has a responsibility to also pay. But in the case of our covenant with the Lord, how many of us can actually claim that every single day we've been faithful to the covenant with God because we're always obeying Him? Maybe not. But the good news is this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, and that is us. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus said, I am not here to come to abolish the law. I am here to fulfill every part of the law. That he did when he went to the cross. Though many times we've failed in our terms of the covenant, Jesus said already, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is paid for. It has been done. It has been fulfilled. Though they may fail countless times, we will rise up again and receive the forgiveness of God because we are God's treasured possession. He loves us and He's faithful to the covenant that He has given to us. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Be updated on podcasts and events and even follow a Bible reading plan by downloading the Victory Alabang app for all Apple and Android mobile devices. Thank you and stay connected.